Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Hey, very warm welcome to you. Good afternoon. It is Thursday afternoon. Fresh thinking time as we head towards the weekend, more importantly towards Shabbos. It's that time of the week, I suppose, where we can look back, we can reflect, we can think, we can go to a, a new perspectives, get out of the box. So, something that uh, crossed my desk during the course of the day today. In fact, I was chatting to somebody earlier and said this might be something worth sharing online, which I uh, was well, sharing on air, I should say. That's what happens when you live in the modern world. You far quicker to say online than on air. I suppose that's because most people have the opportunity to broadcast things online, and just about nobody has the opportunity to broadcast things on air. So um, it's it's a kind of a double question, I suppose, that I'd like to ask you and I'd like to hear your views on. So they, they, they go hand in hand. I find that often what happens to people is people have ideas, they are inspired, they're excited to be able to do something, and then it just doesn't take off. And there, there are various reasons for that. I suppose two of the most common reasons might be what we would call, and this is question number one, analysis paralysis. So how do you get over that? That's my first question. If you feel that you are caught in the cycle of overanalyzing a situation and you, because of the overanalysis, you, you don't get anywhere. You don't make decisions. You don't move forward. So what would be a suggestion or an insight into how to deal with that? And the other side of the same question is sometimes people feel that what they need to do in order to move forward and to overcome whatever particular challenge or whatever particular um, milestone it is in their life that they need to get past or to achieve or to overcome, people feel, oh, my gosh, it's too much. It's too big. It's too great. It's too overwhelming. So I guess question number two is what do you suggest to somebody is the way to overcome a personal challenge? So those are the questions that we're going to uh, talk about over here today. And of course, as always, your input and your perspectives are valuable. And that's what drives the direction of this show. So go ahead and get involved in the conversation. You can SMS 34519. You can WhatsApp 061 Eight nine five one zero one nine. You could call the studio on o one o one four o three o two o. And as always, you can tweet. I see that we already have some tweets coming through. You can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Ravashish. I think it's an important conversation to have because so often in our lives, whether it be in the most personal areas of our lives, whether it be us as a community, whether it be the Jewish nation as a nation, these are the things that we deal with a lot. Analysis paralysis. I think that that happens a lot in our communities, in our societies, where people have an issue and they think and they think and they overthink and eventually are unable to move because of it. And the other side of it is just just how do you deal with a challenge? I mean, every one of us has challenges, typically challenges that we hadn't invited or expected, but that's what happens in life. Things pop up in our way. We think that we're headed in a particular direction. And then the next thing, there's an obstacle that we hadn't quite anticipated. So how do you navigate that obstacle? And I think 
today we might land up hoping, because I know that some people who listen to the show have some really profound insight into life. So hopefully we can come out with something which is useful that people can actually apply in their lives. Now, the objective of fresh thinking is not just to look for life skills, but really to look for Torah wisdom that we can use as life skills. So you get bonus points if you can corroborate your suggestion with some source in the Torah. Perhaps there's a story in the Torah that you could use to illustrate this is what you do when you face a challenge and this is how you overcome it, or this is how you make sure not to overanalyze and get stuck in the analysis cycle at the expense of growth and movement. So that's how Judaism is supposed to be. We're not supposed to just read the Torah as archaic information that was was relevant a couple of centuries ago. We're supposed to see it as current. We're supposed to see it as something which is relevant in our lives and has information and value that we can all apply. So that's what I'd like to talk about today, and I certainly hope that you'll give some input into that. So what would you tell somebody? How do you overcome analysis paralysis? Or what would you tell somebody if they feel that they've got major obstacles, personal challenges in their lives? Well, how do you get around those personal challenges? What should you be doing uh, to overcome personal challenges? And I'm sure that there are some very good insights that people could share. So on analysis paralysis, Got a, a comment over here. Well, of course, there's always those people who have an interesting comments, and I expect that we're going to have some humorous ones as well. But here is an interesting comment that <coughs> that somebody shared. Uh, Kim says, ask yourself why. So my, my question is, how do you overcome analysis paralysis? And Kim says, ask yourself why the thought behind the thought behind the thought. <laughs> so... Uh, Wow. To me, that sounds like even more analysis paralysis. Can you imagine a person being in a situation where they start to overthink why it is that they're overthinking? I can so see that happening in the Jewish world because that's very often what we do. We don't take things at face value and then we think and we, uh, we look at it from this perspective and we analyze it from that perspective. So I wonder if the suggestion is to, uh, to just so to speak, think of why you're thinking of. I'd be quite cautious about that. You know, if you have a look in Judaism, if you have a look in the Torah, I think you'll find a number of times in our history, many times in our history, where people did what looks like almost the opposite of over-analysis, certainly not analysis paralysis. So, for example, when Moses came to tell the Jewish nation that they were to leave Egypt, there were those people, I'm sure, who became all cerebral about it, started to think, is this re- really feasible? Nobody's ever done it before. How's he going to pull it off? How are we going to get from here to Israel safely? Who's going to provide the food? I imagine there had to have been people like that. And we do know that a portion, a segment of the population did not leave Egypt. And maybe that's exactly why. Maybe they were so caught up in their over-analysis of the situation that they couldn't actually pack their bags and get behind Moses and go. Whereas there were, I'm sure, other people who said, just show us the way. That's where we have to go. Reminds me a little bit of a story. They tell a story about the Arizal, Rabbi Isaac Luria, who was a tremendous Kabbalist. And every Friday, as was his custom, he used to take his students and they would go out instead of as we do, which is to pray in shul. On Friday evening specifically, they would go out into the fields in the hilltops of Tzfat, and they would welcome Shabbos out in nature. And on one particular occasion, it was shortly before Shabbos came in, that Rizal suddenly, without warning, turned towards his students, and he said, let's spend Shabbos in Jerusalem. Now, 
I'm sure you've traveled. Many of you have traveled from Jerusalem to Tzfat. You know that today by car, it's well over two hours, might even sometimes be close to three hours by car. There was no way with the technology of the time, what was it, three, four hundred years ago, there was no way that they could have gotten from Tzfat to Jerusalem in time for Shabbos. But what's intriguing about the story is that not one of the students doubted that there was a way if their mentor, if their teacher had suggested that they would go to Jerusalem for Shabbos, they had no doubt that that was possible. But they said, we just need to check in with our wives and, and see that that's okay. And that result became crestfallen. And he said, what a squandered opportunity here. We could have gone to Jerusalem and we could have welcomed Mashiach. It was one of those unique times where the time was exactly right. And had we gone just then with the power of these great sages and the specialness of that particular time and the uniqueness of the geographical location of Jerusalem, they could have brought Mashiach right there and then. But there was there was that momentary analysis. Well, what if? You know, you you got to trust when you have somebody of that caliber who's proposing something which is so unusual and supernatural as to get to Jerusalem in time for Shabbos, which is physically impossible, then you also have to trust him that he's considered the fact that maybe you need to tell your wife. He's taken that into consideration. And unfortunately, unfortunately for them, and I think there are various other stories like this in our history, unfortunately for them, because they got into that intellectualizing, rationalizing space at a time when they should have been proactive, it, it was a lost opportunity. You know, that's exactly what it is about uh, a soldier, for example. A soldier can't afford to analyze the orders that he's given. The orders come from the higher-ups, and you've just got to act. You've got to do it. So we we can see, I think, in various ex- experiences in life, and we can certainly see in our own lives, that sometimes too much thinking can actually get in the way of success. I was talking to somebody yesterday who gave a a business example of exactly this, of how people go through cycles where they're too afraid to take business decisions because they believe that the economic climate is not great and the political climate is not great. And then you get other people who in those exact same circumstances go out to act, make deals, and actually do very well financially. So over-analysis can sometimes be the enemy. What do you think? How to tackle analysis paralysis? 34519 by SMS. But keep those WhatsApps coming. They're always good. 0618951019. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So we're talking about analysis paralysis, about the danger that uh, we are all vulnerable to, which is to overthink and as a result of that not actually move forward. Sometimes you need to make decisions quite quickly. Sometimes these are life and death decisions. Sometimes they're decisions that might affect a relationship. Sometimes it's a decision that may or may float or sink your business. And you need to be able to make that kind of on the fly. And people tend to become too caught up in, well, the what ifs. What if this? What if that? What if the other thing? I mean, it's, it's sometimes almost to the point of being comical because you get all that analysis, you get all that input, and then land up making a decision which ultimately wasn't even the correct decision. I mean, I can think of a number of examples. I remember an example of somebody who got months worth of research and expert opinions on where in the world they should go and live because they wanted to live a peaceful life. And the, the advice that they were given, thank God they didn't follow because literally months after they were given that advice, that particular region became a war zone. 
So it, it, it does happen that way sometimes. And that's what's fascinating about life is that so often we could think that not only we have thought this through carefully, but we've consulted experts and perhaps we've spoken to the right people and made what we believe is an educated decision. And there's often something that we might not have seen. So you can understand how people end up with an analysis paralysis because they're just worried. Well, what if, what if, what if, what if? And uh, you'll end up not moving because of that. I guess that's why Ronnie says once the person has done their homework and reached a conclusion, go ahead with the decision and let it go. Ultimately, the rest is not in our hands. So it's it's definitely useful for us to accept the fact that much of what happens to us in life is not in our hands, including including us making the correct decisions. It's not always in our hands because we'll make a decision based on the, of, on the information that's available to us and we don't necessarily decide what information is in fact available to us. There could be something lurking around the next corner that nobody knows. So interesting. It really, really is interesting. And it's important to be able to get past analysis paralysis because if we don't, then things don't actually happen. And I suppose that dovetails with the, with the second question that I was asking. When you have some kind of an obstacle that stands in your path where you'd like to move forward in life, in Judaism, in personal growth, in business, in your relationship, whatever it is, very often there's some kind of an obstacle that stands in the way. And that's often where the analysis comes in. Well, what should I do? Do I tackle the problem this way? Do I tackle the problem that way? And there are, there are various perspectives, and, and and we can drive ourselves a little bit more sugar. Recently, when was it? Literally just the other day, somebody was talking about decisions that they had, and they had a whole array of decisions to choose between, and then one or two of the items suddenly became unavailable, and there was this tremendous sense of relief. Okay, it makes it easier now to make the decision because some of the possibilities have been removed. So I suppose that's possibly one of the reasons we get a little bit stuck. Jonathan says, once you've acknowledged the paralysis and your own inability to deal with it, go to someone with experience and let them help you. So that's a a very good point. I suppose uh, there's two good points over there because the first one is you have to acknowledge that you're paralyzed. And I don't know if everybody is good at acknowledging when they are paralyzed by analysis. don't know if people necessarily always can recognize that within themselves. And that's why it's useful. You know, at this time of the year, we learn Perkei Avot, we learn the ethics of the fathers. And one of the things that we learn in the ethics of the fathers, in fact, on two occasions, is the importance of introducing a Rav into your life, which is not just your rabbi, but it's somebody who's a spiritual mentor. That's a person who you could bounce things off and you can hear their objective voice about your subjective problems. A lot of the time we get stuck with challenges because of our perspective on those challenges, the way that we view the challenge and therefore the way that we view it to be impossible. It's like the Talmud says that in this life, the Yetzirah, the evil inclination appears to us as this insurmountable mountain. But then when a person leaves this world and goes to the next world, they look back and in fact it was just not much more than a molehill. So our subjective perspective on things is very often exactly the challenge. It's not so much the external challenge or the the realistic challenge as much as it is our perspective or our uh, perception 
of that particular challenge. So it's useful to have somebody in your life, as Jonathan suggests, who you could go to and you could just unpack and say, please help me here. I don't know if I'm being objective. I don't know if this issue is as big as I make it. I don't know if this challenge is something that I should necessarily be considering. So that's good advice and uh, not surprisingly because we do get good advice and good insight and perspective on this particular show. So talking about uh, analysis, not getting caught up too deeply in analysis, talking about how to overcome um, challenges. So there's an interesting, and we've just had Pesach, it wasn't that long ago, I know that some people are quite pleased to put it behind them. Personally, I think Pesach is a wonderful time of the year. And the last day of Pesach in Shul, we read a, a Haftorah that describes all kinds of things about the Messianic age and about the Messianic persona. So we get to understand what kind of a person Mashiach has to be and some of the very famous predictions of what will happen during his time, like the wolf will lie with the lamb and that kind of thing. So one of the things that's interesting in the predictions about the time of Moshiach is there's this emphasis on crossing a river, just like when the Jews left Egypt, they crossed the sea. And there's an emphasis on the fact that they would cross the river wearing na'alayim, which is basically sandals. The point being something that is a representation of the feet. And various commentaries ask the question, why do we have to know that? Why is it even relevant to us? And surely the most important thing is that there's this great miracle of the splitting of this river and the fact that people cross over it. And one of the insights that's given in Chabad teachings is that it's teaching us over here that in order to get on board the Mashiach train, you need your feet and more than you need your head. Because that's what happens to us. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own heads and in our own perspectives. That in our own heads and our own perspectives that we, we, we can't move. So when Mashiach is supposed to lead us out of the reality that we know into this far better idyllic reality of the Messianic age, you're going to need people who are kind of foot soldiers who just, they go as they're told. They, they, they get moving. They don't spend too much time analyzing. It's interesting because if you think about it, a lot of what we use in our lives, we don't really know how it works. So you, you use various technologies, whether it be your car or your cell phone or your computer. You don't necessarily know the mechanics or the technology behind it, but the fact is you just use it. You just go ahead. Could you imagine if every time you got a new cell phone, you had to do this full analysis of understanding exactly what kind of software it runs on and exactly what happens behind every app and how it is that it saves power in this mode and how it uses more power in that mode, you would never get to use the phone because you'd be so busy trying to understand all its components. And it's no different with a car and it's no different with life itself. So that's why it is, in fact, quite important to learn how to get past analysis and to learn how to get past challenges. Danya says, how do you get past challenges? Oh, that's a little bit uh, tongue-in-cheek, that one. Dean says, reach out, seek advice and pray to Hashem to help find the resolve and the resources to overcome the challenge. Well, I certainly agree with all of those things. Seek advice is really important because it's important for a person to know that, as I said before, sometimes your perspective on a particular challenge might be the problem. The perspective itself might be the problem. So to reach out and get advice from somebody else is quite useful. And I, I love the point that Dean says you've got to pray because at the end of the day, nobody overcomes a challenge Unless they have the support to do so, unless they have the blessing to do so. I don't just mean the support of family and friends and, and guides, but you, you need to have God's support. There are many, many things that people invest in in their lives and they don't necessarily succeed. So you need that muzzle, you need that brocha from God to actually 
allow it to succeed. So very good advice over there from Dean as well. Talking today about how to overcome challenges and how to not be trapped in the analysis of a challenge so that you can actually find a way forward. If you've got thoughts on that, I'd love to hear them. You can SMS 34519. You can WhatsApp 0618951019. Tweet at Chai FM or directly at Rabashish. And you can phone 0101-403020. Now, Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood has the following specials, which are valid until the 22nd of April. And they include, they've got Pick and Pay 2.5 kilo white sugar. There's a 5 rand saving on that. It's now 27 rand 90. You can get Pick and Pay Pure Sunflower Oil. The 2 liter has been reduced by 11 rand to 29 rand. They've got assorted Pick and Pay Fresh Milk 2 liters. That's 21 rand 90 each, saving of 2 rand per bottle. And pick and pay tomato sauce is down to 17 rand 90. That is a saving of 3 rand. So, <coughs> sounds like we should be getting ourselves to pick and pay, right? That's what it sounds like. 2.30 or just after 2.30. Time for us to move to the next segment of our conversation. I'm here talking today. If you've just joined us, it is Fresh Thinking Time. You are with Rabbi Shishla talking today about how to overcome the challenges that face us in life. Needless to say, different challenges may require different methods. But the fact of the matter is, challenges are challenges. Linda says, seek support. Well, that's that's definitely good advice, similar to what Dean said before. Don't expect that you can do something on your own. But at the same time, I think we have to be careful also not to think that it's completely dependent on other people. Because there are people like that and they rely too much, I suppose, on other people's um, advice or other people's assistance. And sometimes you've got to just pick yourself up by the bootstraps and do it yourself. Um, something must be wrong with this spelling, I'm sure. This message has come through on Twitter. Something seems to be missing over there or a word that the spell check picked up wrong. So we're going to leave that one for now. Here's a tweet. Beautiful tweet says, Keep moving forward, even if it means climbing over mountains. You know, it's so interesting that you use that expression of mountains because I don't know how many people here have ever had the opportunity to climb a mountain. I'm not talking necessarily about Table Mountain, even though that's there's some really challenging hikes up Table Mountain. But there, there's some big mountains out there. And I was privileged a number of years ago to climb Mount Meru in Tanzania. So that's that's high. It's it's high enough that when you fly out at the end and the plane climbs and climbs and climbs and eventually breaks through the cloud and you look out the window and you see the summit of the mountain that you had just climbed, then you realize that it's pretty high. And one of the intriguing things that we learned on that trip, you obviously have a guide and the guide takes you up the mountain. And there's some really, really challenging parts on that mountain. And what was interesting about it is that the guides kept pushing us to just keep moving. Just take the next step. That's all you have to worry about is the next step. Don't start thinking about how far still to go. That's analysis. Don't start thinking about do I have the resources, energy, mindset, stamina. Don't don't analyze that. Just take the next step. And there was there was in fact one part of the mountain where they took us 
you're talking in the pitch black because you start the climb at like the, the summit climb on the last day started like two o'clock in the morning or something like that i think it was 2 a.m that we started and there was one section where they took us over what appeared to just be a section of rock that we had to scramble over in the pitch black you've got your just this little torch on your head that illuminates just a small area of what's exactly in front of you and they they told us don't worry about where you're going how long it's going to take just put your foot here and then put your hand there and then put the next foot here and they guided us through it on the way back down the mountain in daylight we came across that same section of rock only to discover it hadn't been rock all along it was actually a cliff (laughs) that we had climbed in the pitch black fascinating right when you don't necessarily know what it is that you're up against somehow you find that you have more resources to be able to deal with it so there, there was a really – that's why I'm glad that this tweet says climbing mountains because when you climb a mountain, it's very much about to just take that next step. Now, I'll tell you what, what to me, what uh, inspired this particular conversation, and I see that somebody's said this as well. Rene said it uh, just in three words. But what inspired me is that a little earlier this week was the birth date of the fourth – Lubavitch Rebbe, the fourth Rebbe of Chabad. And he had a particular slogan that he used a lot. And the slogan was, the whole world says that when you face a challenge, try, circumvent, or get under the challenge. I'm not quite sure exactly how you get under a challenge. Possibly it means to step back. Possibly it means to just allow the challenge to overtake you. He says, that's what the world says. And then if all else fails, then go above the challenge. And I say, this is the the Rebbe Rabbi Shmuel of Lubavitch, says, and I say, right from the beginning, just rise above. Just rise above the challenge. That's the climbing mountains that we've just had in this particular tweet. Now, it's easier said than done. What exactly does that mean? But it's an incredible principle. It's a very empowering principle that a person might have in their lives. You know, just Go above. So let's try and understand, and I'd love to hear if you have any thoughts on on exactly how you're supposed to do that. You know, how do you just go above a particular challenge? What does that mean? Pretend it doesn't exist? Well, I don't know that it means to pretend that it doesn't exist. I'm not sure that that's necessarily worthwhile. But there are a few factors and a few thoughts that could be very useful in helping us to do exactly that. And I think the first thought is, uh, what's that cliche that they use where they say, don't tell God how big your problems are, tell your problems how big God is. So I think that that's a good insight. A lot of time what happens with us is we really, really take the challenge seriously. And not that there's something fundamentally wrong with doing that. I mean, we don't want to be short-sighted over here or idealistic and out of touch with reality. A challenge is a challenge. And if it's a serious challenge, then it's a serious challenge. What we don't necessarily do is concentrate enough on our abilities, on the potential that we have. So very often we see the challenge and we talk about the challenge and this is the challenge. And how am I going to overcome the challenge? Whereas if we were able to raise ourselves a little bit by saying, and this is the wherewithal, these are the resources that I have, that helps. So 
perhaps part of the lechatchila ariba, in other words, taking this attitude of how do I rise above, how do I literally skip over the challenges, is to ramp up a little bit of the appreciation of what kind of koyach I have. Now, that might sound like it's perhaps a little bit arrogant. I mean, who do you think you are that you're going to say that you have these tools, this power, this wherewithal or whatever it is to be able to tackle that big challenge? Well, you've got to be careful with that. The moment a person says, I can, as the Torah uses the expression, when a person says, it's my power and it's the strength of my hands. The minute a person does that, ironically, at that moment, they are the most vulnerable to failing the challenge. Because at that moment, two things happen. Number one, you rate your worth Based on your ability to stand up to this challenge. I can look how much I've done. I've succeeded in all these areas. And therefore, just as I've succeeded in the past, so I'll succeed over here. That could be setting yourself up for a great shock and dismay. Because you might not land up overcoming this particular challenge. And then... It's a statement on who you are because you've built yourself based on your achievements. So that's the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is when a person says, I, from an arrogant point of view, have the ability to overcome this particular challenge, essentially what happens at that point is anybody, you would know this, it's human nature. Anybody else says, okay, you're good. You don't need us. Off you go. Tackle the challenge. Let's see how you do. And by the way, that's not only what people are going to say. That's going to be what God would say too. All right. You you, you think you're a big boy? You think you can handle this? Gesund hate with absolute pleasure. Let's see how well you do. So when we talk about the fact that I should recognize that I have the power, that I have the potential, that I have the wherewithal, that I have the resources to be able to overcome a challenge, it's certainly not supposed to be from an arrogant point of view. It's certainly not supposed to be from the perspective of I am a big deal and I therefore can. That's not going to end well. So I suppose in order for us to understand this notion of which is basically to say, I have the ability to rise above a challenge, it's going to be critically important for us to understand, well, how do I know that I have that ability? How do I know that that is even true? Your thoughts, 34519 by WhatsApp on 0618951019. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 high FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So we're talking about how does one overcome challenges, and I have quoted the Rebbe Maharash, as he is known, Rebbe Shmuel of Lubavitch, the fourth Chabad Rebbe, who said, that as soon as the challenge comes your way, the first thing that you should do is rise above the challenge. And I'm saying you've got to be really careful about that. Don't think that you can rise above because of who you are, because of your greatness, because of your abilities. But rather, it's got to be something else. He has a WhatsApp. It's unfortunately unsigned, even though it has a nice smiley at the end of it. says, the only thing you have control over is your attitude. Tracht gut wird sein gut. That's an expression in Yiddish, which means think that it will be good and it will be good. Think positive. It will be positive. It's a great perspective. So how? How could a person believe? How could a person have confidence that they, in fact, 
have the wherewithal to be able to overcome a challenge. I mean, there's some really, really powerful challenges out there. So uh, <laughs> can't help but laugh. Somebody uh, sends a message over here and says, I spent so much time analyzing your question over the last hour. It's not an hour yet. I can no longer think straight. Please help. That's cr- that's cute. I, I know that our listeners all have a good sense of humor, so always expect something like that. Messages are great, by the way. Keep them coming. So how do you know? Well, the only way that a person could have that attitude, which is to say, but just put your head down and go. Stop analyzing every single what if. Stop thinking about how powerful this challenge is. You were told to go, go. It's a little bit like when the Jews got to the edge of the sea with the Egyptians behind them. And they're like, what do we do now? And Hashem says, you keep going because that's what you were told to do. You were told to keep going, so you keep going. Leave the rest to me. That's the Lechatchila Ariba attitude. Challenge? Yes, there's a challenge. Truck on, keep going, or as that earlier tweet said, climb that mountain. So, so on what basis? There are two fundamental beliefs that a Jewish person is supposed to adopt that would help to overcome a challenge. Number one is the belief that centers on how did that challenge get you? Why is this in my path? You see, unfortunately, the way we are wired as humans is that the minute something gets in the way of where we believe that we should be going, we start to throw our toys out of the cart. We start to rant and rave and get all upset. How could this be happening? It's not fair. Here I was. I was headed in a good direction. And now I've got this particular roadblock. First thing is, how did that challenge get there? Now, as Jews, we are trained to believe There's only one way it got there, only one, and that's because God thought it was a good idea for it to be there, because nothing, nothing happens, not on the macro nor the micro level, unless God thought it was a good idea for it to happen. So that's number one, and it's a difficult appreciation to achieve. It's a difficult perspective to take on board, but it's completely life-changing. Because now I see that that obstacle, that challenge sitting in front of me is not there either to stymie my growth or to create a trap of me spiraling into some world of over-analysis that does not allow me to move. That challenge is there for only one reason, to allow me to become stronger, to allow me to become wiser. To allow me the opportunity to be more dedicated to the path that I had just embarked on and so on. I mean, every scenario is different. Every person is different. Every obstacle is different. But the moment I appreciate that the goal of that obstacle is not to make my life misery, the goal of that obstacle is to allow me the opportunity exactly like when I get onto that treadmill and they change the settings. So it becomes that much more difficult to run or on the spinning bike. I know that that's not intended as an obstacle. That's intended to build me up more. That is framing position number one. How can I rise above this particular challenge or this particular obstacle? By knowing that it was designed for me to rise above. It was designed to elevate me. It was designed to give me the opportunity to become more than I have been until now. The second perspective, which follows directly on from that is, okay, So God thought it was a really good idea that this particular challenge should be in my face. And by the way, very important disclaimer, I can say this about my challenges. I dare not say this about your challenges. 
I'm never, ever permitted to tell somebody else. By the way, it was a good idea that God gave you that challenge. Mm -mm. That's for each individual to work out on their own. So, yes, I, as an individual, could look at my challenges and say, God obviously thought that this was a good idea. Step one. Step two. If he thought it was a good idea, that means that he thought that this challenge was going to bring something out in my life that I either don't regularly experience or maybe have never previously experienced. And that part of me is going to come to the fore and I'm going to be a better person for it. So hang on a second. That means then that this challenge was designed to bring out the best in me. That means that the best is in me. That means to say that I have the wherewithal. That means to say that I, I have some kind of ability that perhaps I haven't even thought of or realized or confronted previously. And many people will tell you this from their own lives, that when a challenge comes their way, and it doesn't, God forbid, have to be one of these terrible challenges. But people will tell you, and, and this might even be your experience, that when a challenge comes their way, they discover things about themselves that they didn't know. They discover strength within themselves that they were oblivious to. They discover friendships that they didn't believe they had. I mean, there's so many perspectives on exactly that particular point. So it's coming from that perspective, knowing that this challenge arrived directly in my path because God thought it was a good idea, has to then lead to the fact that it's going to find help me find something within myself that I didn't know that I had. And that's that climbing mountains. Keep going back to that tweet that we had earlier about climbing mountains because until you actually get up onto that mountain, you don't know that you can climb a mountain. Until such time as a person rises to a particular challenge, they don't know that they have the capacity to handle, to tackle that challenge. So, Nechatchila Ariba is basically a perspective that says, don't stop just because things are not going according to your plan. And don't now try and reconfigure your whole plan to get around this challenge. Go forward. Just do it. Don't think about every eventuality. Amazing things happen when you take a step in a healthy direction. I, I could think of so many examples, but here's just one. Talking to somebody this week about when we started our community at Chabad of Stradhaven almost 19 years ago. And so the person said to me, how old were you at the time? And I was like, I was in my early 20s. And he says to me, could you imagine now that somebody at that age did that kind of thing? I was like, crazy. I said, to be perfectly honest, that's why I had to do it at that stage. Because once you get a little bit older and you become a little bit more cynical and you become a little bit more afraid of life, you don't do those amazing things that start processes that change communities and lives and people and, and maybe even the course of, of history. It's dafka when you are a little bit naive when you don't necessarily know what the dangers are. Like a child, when they take their first steps to walk, they don't know that the possibility is that they could fall flat on their face. They just get up and walk. Or like when you climb a mountain in the dark and your guide just says, take the next step, and you have no idea how many next steps there are. The magic happens in life when we don't take those challenges so seriously but rather we take our opportunities seriously. So there's something that I think we could uh, take home and apply in our lives. What do you think? 34519 or WhatsApp's 061-895-1019. 
Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So a nice uh, WhatsApp over here from Cynthia. Cynthia says, I heard an interesting complex perspective this week. Doing, quote unquote, a good deed for another may actually be problematic for that person. Throw their balance out completely. Is that from God too? So interesting, and we could probably get into another whole conversation about it, Cynthia, but I do want to say two things. The one thing is that (laughs) maybe that's the challenge for us, meaning to say maybe we get too caught up in the analysis of what if I do something positive for a person, but in fact, the effects will be negative. Sometimes that is appropriate. Sometimes it's really important to know that so-called helping a person is not helping them at all. So that's the first perspective is that there are times where you have to say, no good, step back. And there are other times you have to say, don't overanalyze what could go wrong from doing good. But to the second point, which is uh, your question, is that from God too? 100%. Absolutely. Nothing comes. This is the fascinating thing about life. People make choices in life. And when a person makes a choice, they can make a good choice or a bad choice. And it's 100% their choice. And they can't blame anybody else, including God. The fact that the other person landed up being on the receiving end of that choice, that was God's business. Okay, so the fact that somebody chooses to do good for another person, but it's actually not the best thing for them is problematic on their part. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be so-called helping people when you're not really helping them. But the fact that this is the person who landed up on the receiving end, that was God's plan. So, yes, that would be part of their challenge. Really interesting point that you've raised over there, Cynthia. I'm glad that you mentioned it. It's a really good Good one. Uh, Mark over here, a little bit more tongue in cheek, says the answer is ready, aim, fire. <laughs> Which I suppose is true because just just do it, really. Daniel says start with gratitude. Interesting because I wonder, does gratitude help us overcome challenges? Quite likely, yes. Gratitude over the fact that I've gotten through other things in the past will help me to trust that the same Hashem, who gave me the resources to succeed last time around, would give me the resources this time around as well. So, yes, that's that's a very good uh, insight, too. I think the take-home for us and uh, something that we can all apply in our lives would be just to think a little bit more about this idea. In the first place, take the perspective that you can rise above a challenge. When I say rise above a challenge, I'm not talking about some kind of airy, fairy, idealistic, out-of-touch perspective that nothing can touch me. And No, I'm not saying that at all. It's to say, just put your head down and move forward and do what you know you're supposed to do and leave it up to God to clear the challenges out of your way. It's very much like when the Jews were at the Red Sea. You just got to get to where God said you got to go. And what's going to happen to the sea? I don't know. You don't know. Leave that in God's hands. So if there's something that we're supposed to be doing in life, let's just do it. Yes, I have an excuse and I have a reason and I see this challenge and maybe now is not the right time. And maybe it's because of the relationship I have with that person that I shouldn't really be approaching that person, etc. When we put our head down, move forward with something that is positive, the results are typically positive, not only in terms of what we want to achieve, but to a very large extent in terms of who we become for having had the bravado, the courage 
to actually do it. So that's something I think we can all plug into our own lives, and I hope it's meaningful to you too. Thanks for the messages. We had some really nice ones on today's show, as always. Until next time, have a wonderful Shabbos and a great week ahead.